so what platform IPOs do we expect in 2022? Go down the list and I'll give you my initial reaction to am I pro uh, or against or skeptical of their prospects as, as a platform company. First one on the list is Instacart. Last private valuation of Instacart is $39 billion. Instacart's gone through a lot of change recently, shuffling out their CEO and who is you know one of the co-founders, bringing in basically completely new management from Facebook and other companies that are very ad friendly. So trying to generate more ad revenue to make the business more profitable because right now it's very difficult for them to make money, if at all, when they're just a reseller from retailer to, you know, basically just a delivery service from grocery store and now expanding into other verticals, um, you know, but from retailer to consumer, they need to kind of figure out another way to, to really drive some profit. They've got plenty of cash to go figure that out. If they can figure that out or start to show that they are figuring it out, I think this is a gangbuster IPO. Shifting over to India, Flipkart, um, which was got a huge investment from Walmart maybe six years ago now. They are actually expected to go public. And um, this, I think, would be a great deal. I love how Walmart has played its hand to not only grow their marketplace endeavor in the U.S., but internationally doing deals here like with Flipkart. Was, was very pro this deal when it came out. Go check the tape. I think Flipkart's very well positioned to do quite well in India. You know, the business model is mature enough that you go public. It's not hot air, which brings us to our next one, aptly named GoPuff. This company looks like some people are expecting this thing to go public in this year, 22, maybe in the second half of 22. Yeah, it says, yeah, we were founded in 2013. This company to me is way premature to go public. Now, doesn't mean that they shouldn't go public. I'm talking about as an investor. To me, this is premature. As the company, they're in a race. And I actually don't even think this is truly a platform business because they're doing this hyper-localized delivery. Much of it's actually from their own kind of like dark store setup. So it's not even like, an Instacart where they're going to third-party retailers and then putting kind of a delivery option on top of, you know, your local grocery store or, or bodega. They're really kind of like a, a linear digitized delivery service for like junk food with super fast delivery. And, you know, are they, do they have a network effect from like delivery people? Uh, I don't know. That's a stretch. I don't know. It's, it, it, it looks much more linear to me than it is platform. They're in a very difficult position. They're trying to do these hyper fast delivery, sub 30 minute delivery. This sector has gotten billions of dollars in funding for other competitors from uh, Getir to Joker. You've got um, DoorDash putting in money into this, right? You got like the large food delivery platforms putting in money. It's just become very competitive. So, so GoPuff really has to to go public. They need more money. It's a race. What does that mean for the business prospect? They need the money. What does that mean for the investor? I just don't know. I, I think that um, it's not clear who the winner is going to be. It's not clear really how strong, if at all, the winner-take-all dynamic is. You know, If you took my house and filled it all with $100 bills, yeah, I don't know if the house would be able to fit it all. 
their latest fundraise was they raised another $1.5 billion in December of 2021 at a $40 billion valuation. In the year of 2021, they raised $3.65 billion. The valuation went from $9 billion to $40 billion. How much of that is fluff and how much of that is just outsized growth? We don't know. But I can tell you, there's definitely some fluff in there. They're lighting this money on fire and just trying to grow aggressively in, in such urban markets that have become so competitive so quickly because you now have multiple other also well-funded competitors coming into those markets. It's just the competition is fierce. The markets are ultra competitive already. And how much of a differentiator do they really have long term? Are they doing a lot of volumes? Yes. Do I think that there's a play here for a strong business in the space? Yes. Is it clear to me if it's GoPuff or someone else? No. Is it clear to me how profitable or how healthy of a business this, this can be? Absolutely not. So this, this would cause me a lot of heartburn looking at this IPO, just how early. It's just the, the business model and the competitive landscape is still so early. Is this a standalone business or is this something that just gets rolled into a food delivery giant, a ride sharing giant? That seems more viable, um, just a kind of like a, a, a linear product offering that one of these dominant platforms in food delivery, ride sharing could bolt on. I don't know, standalone business, just very early to, to put money into this company, assuming it does go public this year. Stripe, this one, I mean, they've, they've stayed, stayed private for a long time. I think this is more so their investors wanting liquidity than Stripe needing capital. They raised $600 million at a $95 billion valuation in March of 21. This is a company that has been around for a long time. It's a very strong company, has great growth prospects in front of it, founded in 2010, has a bunch of investors looking for some liquidity. So, you know, going public is kind of the natural evolution for them. Mature business model, a lot of growth in front of it. Is Stripe a platform? I would need to read the S1, but on, on the face of it, I actually don't think it is. It's, it's, it's more of like an infrastructure provider to a bunch of platform companies and e-commerce companies, right? Maybe they, you know, they have like a developer ecosystem, developer platform, kind of like AWS, right? Like is AWS a platform? They have a platform dynamic. They have a developer ecosystem. But is that really such a dominant part of their overall revenue mix, like Salesforce, for example? Salesforce is in Plat, our, our platform ETF. Why are they in Plat? Um, is because they have over a billion dollars of revenue coming from their developer uh, kind of app store ecosystem. That's a lot of money. When you look at their overall revenues, which are, and I think last count was in the low to mid teens of billions, right? So it's, for Salesforce, they're doing over a billion dollars in revenue from App Store. It's actually their fastest growing um, business unit within Salesforce. And so, yeah, it's a very material part of the business. A huge chunk of their actual net profit. I don't think it's as meaningful if you were to compare an AWS App Store versus Salesforce App Store. As meaningful as Salesforce to really kind of be 
given that platform uh, title. Similarly here, I would imagine I would imagine Stripe is closer to the AWS end of the spectrum than it is Salesforce. I don't know though. Ultimately, we got to look into the S1 and see, um, see what they disclose around that. Is it, a, is it a strong business? Yes. There's a lot of growth in front of it? Yes. Is it a platform business? Mm, kind of seems like no, but maybe for now. Plaid's expected to go public this year. This was the company that Visa tried to buy for like $5 billion. And then um, all the banks complained to the regulators to say, oh, regulator, like we don't want Visa, which is a platform monopoly in payments, to have all the data on what people are doing in their bank accounts. And then the regulators said, okay, and we're going to break this up. Now, Plaid has raised money in 2021 at almost a 3x that valuation. So good for the uh, Plaid shareholders that they didn't sell to Visa. Now they're expected to go public. We don't know where, but it's certainly going to be north of their you know, low to mid-teens billion dollar valuation when they raise money in 21. So they are also similarly to Stripe, not really a platform business. They're really more of a pipe that enables all these companies to build products and hook into Plaid's uh, kind of banking APIs, right? Do they have a developer ecosystem? Yes. Is it a huge material part of their business? Probably not. Is it a bad company? No. Does it have huge growth prospects? Yes. Platform company? Mm, doesn't seem like that really is... Is, is deserving of that classification today. Maybe they'll get there in the future, but not yet today to have it be a material enough part of their business. Klarna, this is another buy now, pay later company, kind of like a firm or Afterpay, which Square purchased in 2021 for about $30 billion. Uh, Klarna is actually based out of Sweden in the tens of billions of dollars. I think around $45 billion valuation was, was their last valuation. There's a lot of hype around buy now, pay later. You have to understand that when you have the Fed printing like $10 trillion, credit is freely and widely available. And these buy now, pay later businesses are directly correlated to quantitative easing, freely made available uh, money and credit, which we are certainly in that environment. To me, they're in a race to diversify their business actually away from buy now, pay later. Buy now, pay later, you got to ride that. You got to milk that for as much as you can. But if that is the be all end all of your business and the Fed has hinted that they're going to not do QT, quantitative tightening, but certainly that they're going to do less QE. All these companies know this, right? Like it's unsustainable, the current economic environment that we're in. And to me, it's a race to see how much they can diversify, take the hooks, right? Like all these, um, all these companies, right? Basically, all these buy now, pay later companies are partnering with retailers and manufacturers. So at the point of sale, when you're buying something from Sephora, you can buy that product in installments through Klarna. They need to kind of use that as a beachhead and expand into other adjacent uh, you know, revenue streams, product streams, business opportunities. That to me is going to be the real crux to see how sustainable these businesses are and their lofty valuations. In our video on Square buying Afterpay, I talk about 
how I, how I think Square can do exactly this with the Afterpay acquisitions. So go watch that video. Reddit expecting to go public this year. It's a social media platform, kind of content platform. Great story on Reddit from how Condé Nast slash advanced publication, right? Traditional media company bought Reddit over a decade ago and now has made billions of dollars. Go check out that video where we cover how much money Condé Nast made on buying Reddit. Now expecting to go public. I'm actually not as bullish on the Reddit IPO because of how content censorship friendly Reddit is. Don't think that's a good place for you to be strategically as a content platform uh, in 2022. And they've got 10 cent money, which means you know they're doing um, you know thought policing on behalf of the CCP. Discord expected to go public. This one I think is really well positioned. Discord's actually turned down multiple M&A attempts, most recently from Microsoft. Such a dominant uh, stranglehold they have as a communication platform starting in the gaming community. Who does that remind me of? It reminds me of Twitch, which was ultimately acquired by Amazon for about a billion dollars. They probably sold too early. But similar kind of roots where you're starting with that a really high engagement, really strong community amongst the, the gaming community. And now they're expanding out into a bunch of other areas and categories. They've run into some issues with content censorship, not as badly as a Reddit, certainly. Uh, but that's something they're going to have to watch very closely as they navigate this thought, thought policing um, kind of uh, trap, which... I think they've also taken some 10 cent money. They just haven't been as blatant with their censorship. OnlyFans expected to go public this year. We had a great video about OnlyFans insane growth in 2020. We've been calling this one for a while where everyone really knew what it was. CEO just stepped down. They've had some like weird missteps in the past few months where they said that they were going to ban basically porn when their whole business is porn. Um, and then they... They walked that back. We covered that right away. Said, this is ridiculous. Why would they ever do this? And then like a few days later, they walked it back and said, oh, never mind. Like they blamed it on like the, the, the banks and the credit card processors, which is also just not true. It's a scapegoat. What to do with this business? I don't know. It's the porn industry. I don't really know much about it. It's a weird industry. Yeah. You don't really see many porn companies go public, but this is a porn content platform company. Make no mistake about it. If you're comfortable investing in that stuff, yeah, this is probably like one of the best things you could do. If you're not comfortable investing in it, I understand. And I don't know, there's just weird risks uh, when you're in those, you know, those kinds of industries. Patreon could go public this year. Really like Patreon. Kind of like a services marketplace connecting creators and bands with their fans and giving them uh, this subscription offering for you know, better access and content and giveaways and all this kind of stuff. So this company has been on a tear, raising a lot of money, I think really well positioned to enable kind of the, the creator economy, as, as you would call it. Turo is looking to go public. Turo, it's basically Turo and get around in the car rental marketplace business. So if you have a car, you can rent your car out like peer-to-peer -peer car rentals, right? The platform version of Hertz. I like Turo. I like their business. I like their management. I like their positioning as a business model. It's a it's a good market to be in the kind of peer-to-peer -peer car rental industry. If you just think about the macro climate where 
you can't get a car these days. You can't get a, you know, there's rental car shortages all over the place. So this peer to peer model is really good at securing supply, right? Cause as you can't get supply, they have a, a, you know, essentially everyone in America could be, and I mean, they're also uh, in other markets beyond the U S but you have such a huge addressable market to get additional supply as prices go up. You can just carve out more supply. There's a crazy stat, like 98% of, you know, of, of available driving time on, on people's cars, they're just sitting idle. Right? So if you look at all the cars owned in the United States, 98% of the time, the cars are idle. Bodes pretty well for companies like Turo. Farmers Business Network, also rumored to be going public this year. Um, one of our top B2B marketplaces, this is a grain trading B2B marketplace. They also do a number of things beyond just grain trading by like selling you as a farmer, what you call inputs, so like fertilizer and seeds and the literal inputs that you put into the ground to grow crops. This company and their competitor, Indigo, have undergone a lot of scrutiny, uh, management shakeups, kind of scrutiny on their business model, their viability. They've been very cagey in terms of press releases on how their traction is. Um, yes, they have a marketplace for, for grain trading. The challenge for them is that um, the margins are so razor thin in grain trading. So you can point to big volumes with the grain trading, right? Like, hey, we're doing billions of dollars in GMV, but the basket size, your average order size, the basket, right? When you sell grain, you sell a lot of grain. So your order size is naturally very big, which kind of skews those GMV numbers. A, B, the margin that you, the marketplace, like they don't really make any money in terms of a take rate on the grain marketplace. So it's a big number and there's a lot of growth there. It's a fragmented market. There's a lot of middlemen in the kind of grain trading uh, you know, business process. Just not much money to make from that. This one might be a little premature, frankly, with I think they might have like four or five different business models in addition, you know, or three or four in addition to grain trading. How are those doing? What are you really focusing on? What's the one or two key white hot areas of your business that you're going to focus on growing? I don't know if they have that focus. They haven't really given much visibility as to what that focus is and how well certain business units are doing. So without that level of visibility, I'm a little skeptical on this IPO. Houses was, is rumored to go public this year. Is also kind of rumored for them to go public in Q4 of 21. Houses is one of those businesses that had raised a bunch of money earlier in its lifetime, like a bunch of money earlier in its lifetime. You know, in 2017, raised $400 million at a $4 billion valuation, right? That kind of money. And then you really haven't heard much about them ever since then, right? Since 2017. It's a marketplace at its core was to help you connect with like interior design professionals. And then they're connecting you to all these people to do renovations and remodeling on your home. You'd think past couple of years would be gangbuster years for them, right? And then what they're also trying to do was say, okay, well, we're helping you get with all these design professionals. Let us all now sell the products, kind of have like from a service marketplace and a product marketplace, right? We're going to now give all the products to the design professionals, right? And kind of close the loop from the service and the product and put that all together. 
I don't know. I think they've had some issues. Haven't really heard much about them in the past few years. You would have think you would have thought, you know, it looks like they raised like 50 million bucks. I don't know. There's some questions that I have. You would think from a macro standpoint, this company would be on fire. But, you know, there is rumors that they were supposed to IPO in October and then that has kind of come and gone. It should be a really good IPO, but I don't know. We've seen some other companies in this space connecting you to interior designers that have floundered, that, you know, had raised nice like 20, 30 million dollar rounds and then went under. There's at least two that I could name for you. I think it's kind of a tough model from a, a retention standpoint. Your customer acquisition is you know, very much so one time, right? I'm going to do one home remodeling. I got to get those, those uh, customers new kind of every time again. So there's definitely some difficulties with this model that uh, I think are, are now you know, somewhat apparent over the past few years and just some of the news circling around what this IPO could be. Quora is expected to go public. Quora is one of those like FAQ um, websites that have been around forever and is kind of, you know, again, has not just been too newsworthy. How sticky is the model? How do, how do you really get an advertising business going with this? Last raised money in 2019, like, like 13 million bucks. You know, weird fundraises, kind of like Howe's, right? Officially, they raised $60 million January 2019 at a $2 billion, $2 billion valuation. You haven't really heard anything since, right? So it's, it's an ad, mostly I think it's an ad-driven business. But is there a winner-take-all dynamic? How do you kind of pull that off? Kind of tough. Not as sticky of an engagement model as you would want or hope. Thank you very much for watching. What do you think is going to happen with these 2022 IPOs? Are there any tech companies that we didn't cover that you'd like us to cover? Let us know, leave a comment, or send us a text. Have a great 2022. It's going to be one for the record books.